about who all they've given reparations to. They've given reparations to the Native Americans. They've given reparations to the Japanese. They aided in reparations to the Jews. They helped the Jews get their reparations. Yeah, you have 400 years of free labor. What would it look like to have equity or equality? CC, CEO, want to change your life? Come see me, yo. I'm going to teach you how to build up wealth for your family. Not just for yourself, I'm a bestseller, a house flipper, a businesswoman, a go-getter. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? It's your girl, Constance Carter. What's happening? I want to welcome you. I want to welcome you to Conversations with Constance. I want to welcome you to the Fly Nubian Queen. I just want to welcome you here. And I want to talk about this very interesting topic around reparations. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this topic around reparations is not like we haven't had the discussion before or we don't have these ongoing discussions about reparations, but there was a uh, an article that I read today um, on Black Enterprise about the mayor of Chicago who um, said that he wanted... Um, to have reparations and that reparations would help. So there was this article that said, will reparations reduce the crime rates in Chicago? The new the new mayor, uh, Brandon Johnson, seems to think so. And we know that Chicago has had a history of a lot of violent crimes. Every time somebody talks about, you know, affirmative action, police brutality, what do they say? Chicago. They always bring up Chicago. They always bring up the violence of Chicago. And so I want to just kind of address it because, you know, he says that uh, reparations is going to help um, reduce the crime. And is that really true? Is that really the case? Um, Dr. Phil, your favorite doctor, Oprah's homeboy, said that uh, reparations would be a complete disaster. Okay. So let, let's let's see. So let me just show you really quick um, this video that... Um, I watched just briefly of the, of the mayor when, um, uh, what them talking about him talking about what he thought the reparations would do. So really quick. What, what I've built within these last seven months in order for us to have a better, stronger and safer Chicago, it really requires the full force of government. We have stood up an, an entire office dedicated to reentry. So individuals who are returning to our communities who have been incarcerated because of failed policies, uh, we'll have a welcoming space for them. I've added a, a half a million dollars for restoration and reparations to address, again, the cycle of violence, which looks like school closings, closing of mental health facilities, of which I've invested in now. And so in order for us to build a better, stronger, safer Chicago, it requires investments. And that's what this budget has done. Okay, Julie, let me get this straight right now. Okay, so so he's asking for, for billions of dollars from the federal government to deal with the migrant crisis in Chicago. Uh, but let's hand out money for reparations, uh, because that's going to fix the crime problem. Uh, I'm not sure where the disconnect here is. Okay, first of all, I'm not, you know, a math uh, mathematician, but he is putting $100, uh, $100 million toward crime prevention, $500 million toward reparations. He wants to figure out how to properly compensate descendants from slaves, but he's not actually paying attention. He's ignoring the crime problem, and it's not... So basically what he's saying is that the crime problem is what? Due to all the blacks in the city, so let's pay them off. And think, no, no, I'm not ridiculous. laughing at you. I'm laughing it's at the that fact that ridiculous. you know. It's that ridiculous. What? Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I hate to call, you know, I, I got to call a spade but, a spade. It, it's it, ridiculous. I'm sorry. It, spot on. Okay. Thank you. High five this woman all around. She just <laughs> nailed it. He literally, the only thing he... That is absolutely ridiculous. 
ridiculous. Do you hear me? That was absolutely. <laughs> so, so you have, you know, they, they make sure that they pick the right ones on Fox news. I'm trying to tell you, they pick the absolute right ones on Fox news. So we're giving hands out. So reparations are essentially handouts. So let, let's do a little, little history lesson because I, you know, I got a little bit of information and if you've never seen well, first of all, hold on. I want you to like and subscribe really quick. Share this information now because I'm going to drop some gems on you. I'm fin I am getting ready to give you some some statistics, some facts, some history because I really want you to understand um how this all plays how this all comes together why this subject is so important. It's not just important to to African Americans, it's also important to our uh our US economy. It's important to the global economy. Because racism is so strong, racists will cut off their nose to spite their face. They will hurt some, they would hurt themselves in order to take something from somebody else instead of looking at the betterment of everything. So I want you to share this. Make sure that you're sharing this with, 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 with people on your timeline. I want you to make sure that you're subscribing to the Fly Movement Queen. I want to make sure that you are subscribing to uh, CC the CEO on YouTube. And also make sure you're following me on Facebook um, at I am Constance Carter and I am Constance Carter on Instagram. Okay. So let's just take a, a historical look. So the, 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 the Chicago, the governor or the mayor of Chicago says that, you know, schools have closed and all this stuff. So let's, let's just talk about and people always say, y'all always talk about the past. I didn't benefit from slavery. That wasn't me. That was my great, 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 great grandfather. Okay. So let's just talk about what the, the, the U.S. government does for everybody else. Okay. So as of December of 2023, they sent $75 billion to Ukraine. Okay. There's nothing in return. They got no free labor from Ukraine. Okay. As of 2023, they sent $14.5 billion to Israel, okay? So all of this money has gone out there. There's no ROI. There's no return of on investment. But this money has gone out to aid others in their wars that have nothing to do with us. But yet you have a people who've contributed to this economy by trillions of dollars with 400 years of free labor, and you say reparations, you say the payment of them back is free labor. Now, does that make any sense? By 1860, there were 4 million enslaved people that produced well over 60% of the nation's wealth. The U.S. generated trillions of dollars from free labor, okay? So when we had the Emancipation Proclamation, we were promised 40 acres and a mule. That never happened. That was reversed. Why? Because Andrew Johnson, President Andrew Johnson reversed the 40 acres and a mule and they ended up giving reparations to the slave owners who lost their slaves during the Civil War. When have you seen the losers of a war get reparations? But they did. Also, if you go down time, the timeline in history, when you talk about the Homestead Act, they gave over 260 million acres of land to white people. And you talk about a hand up to hand out, hand out to black people, but you gave over 260, no, excuse me, 246 million acres to white people in 1862. 
that was just two years before you took up took back the 40 acres and mule from the people that just worked your land for 400 years and made you filthy rich a global giant a military presence just by sheer fact that you got 400 years of free labor so let's talk about after the civil war then you have the reconstruction period right so they had to reconstruct the the nation now okay you don't give us the 40 acres and the mule okay pull yourself up by your bootstraps even though you didn't pull yourself up by your bootstraps we gotta pull ourselves up by our bootstraps right so now we gotta make sure that we get it on our own so we go out and we start we start getting you know we start building our own houses we start getting our own communities we start making money you go to places like rosewood in florida you go places to like uh, greenwood in tulsa oklahoma 600 businesses economies thriving well-to-do upwardly mobile negroes economy the the dollar is circulating a year in the economy before it even leaves the community what do you do you destroy it not just by fire but you burn it down and you bomb it those those pwts didn't have planes so it wasn't just from the local people black wall street was also bombed so it wasn't just by you know some 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 angry mob that also had to do with the, the federal government so then you think about this okay so slavery ends but then you have the 13th amendment so now you have ways let's let's figure out how we can still get free labor you have black codes you guys know what black codes are black codes are codes that they had for black people is when they restricted black people from being able to do anything from being able to purchase homes um conduct business buy or lease lands that's why they had to be sharecroppers or move freely through the public and then if they if they weren't working and they got caught loitering or they were vagrants because they were vagrancy laws then they would imprison them and they would do years of hard labor slave labor because they were vagrants, because they were loitering, because they didn't have jobs, because they wouldn't allow them to have jobs. So you wouldn't give them jobs, but then you would jail them because they you didn't give them jobs. You wouldn't allow them to lease land and buy a land so that they can they can work their own land. So they had to share crop. And then what my uncle told me is how the sharecroppers used to do back in Arkansas. And they probably did this all over because my, my, I came from a, a line of sharecroppers. What, what happened was they would work them and work them and work them, right? They would give them pennies. They would barely give them pennies. And at the end of the year, cause they would lease the land, they would say, oh, you owe me. So they would try to work to, to, to pay, you know, pay them off. And then at the end of the year, they would, they would say, oh, you still owe, you still owe us. So now you got to stay on and you got to work some more. And I'll give you some pennies. I'll give you just enough to get you, give you some scraps. That's what happened. That's what would happen with sharecroppers. So then you had the great migration from the South to the North. People going to Chicago, to Detroit, to all these places up North, because now there are jobs. There's these industries and black people are going. So then you have what's called what? White flight. Black people are coming. That's why you have the federal housing um, laws that were put in place in 1968 because they would do things called redlining. They would do things called blockbusting. They would do things called uh, blockbusting. They would do puffing. Oh no, the blacks are coming. The blacks are coming. You got to get out of town. The blacks are coming. You got to sell your house. You got to you got to move because the blacks are coming. 
And so when the blacks will came, then you had white flight. And what happens What white flight also happens is urban decay. Oh, black people just don't take care of their properties. No, what happens is you take the economy, you take the local economy out of these neighborhoods. Now we don't have any grocery stores. So now we have food deserts. Now you have now now you have crime because you have no jobs. This is all by design. OK, so urban decay is when they withhold maintenance capital mortgages. So it makes it difficult for the communities to re uh, retain or attract what they need in order to build, which in turn lead to the situation that they're in with urban decay. So you think about that. So the taxes are taken out of these communities. Now you have these impoverished neighborhoods, crime increase. Now you have these schools. Now, did you know, if you looked at my TED talk, Google that shit, I talked about how they spend $32 billion more on white schools than they do on black schools. So now the education is far superior. So you talk about integration, they should have just kept us segregated, but then our, our education system was far inferior. So that's why we were trying to integrate so that we can get better education. Because look it, you go to these schools, you go to some schools and there's mildew in the schools, there's mold, kids are getting sick, they, they have hand-me-down books, and then you go to other schools with Olympic-sized pools with excess amongst excess amongst excess. $32 billion more on blacks, on white schools than on black schools or children of color or minority-based schools. So then think about this. Then you got the introduction to crack cocaine. Ooh, who introduced crack cocaine to the inner cities? Well, black people don't got planes. Black people don't got boats. So now you think about, you, 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 you have this urban decay. There's no jobs, crime, poverty, hungry, babies dying, children crying. Now you're trying to make some money. And now somebody comes and gives you a way to get your family out of, you and your family out of fast money. But where did the, where, where did the drugs come from? Did the black people have the boat to go over to get the money, the drugs from the, from the, from the other countries, from Colombia? No, the CIA brought drugs in. Now, if you ever, I don't know if you ever heard of Gary Webb. He was a whistleblower. He was a journalist for the San Jose Mercury News. San Jose, that's my hometown. San Jose Mercury News. He did extensive research on the CIA bringing crack cocaine to the inner cities. This was by design. Now think about this. J. Edgar Hoover said in 1955, the biggest threat to America was Negro unity. So every time some type of black Messiah, because he also said that the black Messiah was a threat. So every time you have a rise of some type of black Messiah, some type of unifier or a quote unquote savior, he's assassinated. But the FBI, CIA are always behind that. So they'll use a figurehead, but it's really done by those entities. So the CIA brings in crack cocaine. They have this Gary, Gary is Gary Webb. He is shamed. He's ostracized. And all of a sudden he commits suicide by shooting himself in the back of the head twice. Have you ever heard of somebody committing suicide by shooting themselves in the back of the head twice? How do you pull the trigger twice? 
in the back of your head and it's ruled a suicide. Think about that. So this is all by design. And I'm telling you this because when they talk about a handout to African-Americans, you got to think about the wealth gap and how it exists and why that article in Forbes said in the year 2053 that black median wealth was going to be a zero. All of these things that were put in place to destroy our communities every time we've tried to get advanced. To me, I feel like rap music is one of those things that is destroying our community. It is a decay to the black community. Every time we get ahead, there's something that brings us back. Black people make up, I think, two or three million of the um, federal prison system. 2.3 million black people are in jail. Now, we don't commit crimes at a higher rate. We are convicted at a higher rate and then we are wrongfully convicted at an even higher rate. This is by design, ladies and gentlemen. So when they talk about giving you a handout for reparations, Let's talk about who all they've given reparations to. They've given reparations to the Native Americans, deserved, well-deserved. They've given reparations to the Japanese. They were put in intern, intern, intern camps, internment, inter, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. They gave reparations, they aided in reparations to the Jews. They helped the Jews get their reparations. But yeah, you have 400 years of, of free labor and these people don't get these people handout. What would it look like to have equity or equality? Think about let, let me let me tell let me tell you 10 companies that actually benefited from slave labor. And these are companies that we use every day. New York Life. I have a life insurance policy from New York Life. Tiffany and Co. So y'all out here wearing your Tiffany bracelets. Guess what? Tiffany was a company that benefited from slavery. Anybody have Aetna? Oh, suppose you have a Brooks Brothers suit. Norfolk Southern Railroad? Bank, who banks at Bank of America? Not only do they have a, a, a huge history in slavery, but also predatory lending today. Wachovia, AIG, JP Morgan Chase. OK, so you have all of these companies that have gotten rich, filthy rich off of free labor from your ancestors. But don't give them a handout. So you have you give two hundred and forty six million acres to white people. That wasn't a handout. Let's talk about welfare. Let's talk about welfare. When you gave uh, 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 let's talk about Social Security, when Social Security, when the New Deal came out and Social Security was introduced most black people during that time were farmers, but guess who couldn't get social security? Farmers. So 60% of black people couldn't get social security because they were farmers. So they were left out of that equation. So think about all, all of those things, all of those things thrown in our way, yet 44% of us 
our homeowners. Yet we 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 outpaced everybody else in wealth growth after COVID, despite all of that that went on. Go back to 1926. Oh, no, no, 1919 when they had the Red Summer. That's when black people were lynched across the nation for no reason. Oh, a black person whistled at a white woman. They would make up reasons to lynch you. And the way that they're able to do that with impunity and with no morality is by calling you anything less than a human. You're a savage. You're a nigger. And you think about how black people call themselves niggas. And that's why they're able to kill themselves. We're, us, we're able to kill each other so easy because we don't even look at each other as humans. We look at each other as niggas, just like they looked at us as niggas. That's why we call each other niggas. That's why we kill each other because there's no value of life. But now we are doing the job that they used to do that they no longer have to do because we doing it for them. Now, this is all the, all the setup, but we too blind to see. We sit up here uh, dying over streets that we don't even own. I saw a video the other day of some stupid ass shit in LA. Oh, you can't come down this street because you come down this street and you wear this hat and you, y'all don't even own this shit. I wish you black people would wake the hell up and look at, see who's pulling the strings because it ain't y'all. Y'all think y'all got power because you got a little money because, but guess who got the real power? The people in the back pulling the strings, making y'all kill each other like dummies. Y'all is dumb as shit. And the Negroes that are rapping about it, y'all are even dumber. But I digress. This is all by design. This is all by design. So they said reparations are a handout. But here's some things that the Chicago mayor, he wants to, he, let's talk about what he wants to do. He wants to take some reparations um, and he wants to add it to reduce the crime. And I think that's cool, but I don't know that reparations should be specifically for crime reduction. I think that should be something that's done by the federal government. Let reparations be reparations, right? I do believe that the federal government should aid in the, in the reduction of crime. Because listen to this, you got to look at where we are. Okay. So black women are the most educated, but black women are disproportionately burdened by student loan debt. So what some reparations should be the relief of student loans. How about you? How about we can go to college for free? That's great for reparations, right? Because you got to think about this with a 400 year head start. The average white family has roughly 10 times more amount of wealth than a black family does. Y'all have 400, you have 400 year head start. Shit. It's a wonder y'all ain't got a 400 times uh, amount of the wealth with a 400 head, year head start. But that's, that's cool. But then you also think about this. When we go to college, they white why a white person is seven has is seven times more likely to make more money than a black college graduate. There's still inequity here. So when they talk about, you know, uh, killing affirmative action, com- uh, killing diversity and inclusion, I strongly disagree with that because people will hire people, especially people who are in power are going to hire people that look like them. Let me tell you a story. I used to work at HP, right? When I was, I just got out of high school and I, I, I did a stint as a security guard. And I remember um, I was working with this guy, blonde hair, blue eye guy, right? And worked with him for a few months. I left, went and worked somewhere else. And I came back 
as a permanent employee at HP through a college program. And I seen the guy I went, it was at the same, the same, uh, the same location. I seen the guy that I had been working with as he was a security guard. And I was like, and he was going out to lunch with the other guys. And I was like, Oh, what do you do now? He says, I'm an engineer. I said, Oh shoot. I ain't been going that long. Were you going to school? He was like, no, somebody just came up to me one day and asked me if I wanted to be an engineer. And I thought to myself, there was never, <laughs> there would never be in time in a million years when somebody would come up to my black ass and ask me if I wanted to be an engineer. This man went from a security guard checking people's badges. He was now an engineer. No college education. That don't happen to a whole lot of people. So what I'm trying to tell you is there in these, and I'm sure there were plenty of qualified other people who could have taken that engineering job, but he just happened to get it because he was letting people in good, I guess. I don't know, but they trained him. So when you look at these, the wealth that we still don't get, that is disproportionate, it means that we need to practice collective economics. It, needs, it means we need to start our own businesses, but you got to think about this. Now you're looking in the 1900s, the early 1900s, when they introduced loans to help people become homeowners. So they introduced the FHA loan. It was 1% down. Now it's 3.5% down. Guess who couldn't get those loans? So the way to build wealth, 80% of the wealth in this country is generated through real estate and only a certain race could get real estate. Well, where does that leave us in the wealth? Okay. Jobs, again, disproportionately given to other people. Black people were given the criminal justice system and we were given drugs to destroy our community. But yet we're still, we still thrive. Yet we still see a lot of black excellence in spite of that. So I'm not saying, I'm not telling any of, I'm not telling you any of this to bring you down in any way. And I don't want you to hate anybody, but I want you to look at this because this right here, this should make you motivated to go above and beyond, to make a difference, to make an impact, to effectuate change. Change could happen by you alone. One person, now under the sound of my voice, if I can effect, effectuate change with one person, then you, if I'm affecting you, if I am speaking to you, if I'm speaking in your life in some way, and you're affected by what I'm saying today, then you have the power to do the same thing with somebody else. Maybe on this platform, maybe in person, maybe in the community. But I'm telling you this to give you the information so that you can go along. I don't want you to hate no white people. I don't want you to hate them. It does not serve you. It doesn't get you anywhere. It doesn't do anything. Why do hate for hate? Love. You ain't got to be best friends. Love. Move on. Build your own communities, build your communities, help your people, create legacies, build wealth. This should motivate, inspire you to work even harder to be self-sufficient and independent. But yes, we do deserve reparations and it could be given in any form. So they're saying that I think that we deserve at least 100, 117,000, somewhere around 120,000 or was it 300,000? I can't, I can't remember what the proposal is to equate that 40 acres and a mule that they owe us. It's owed to us. So when people be like, nah, we don't need no reparations. Think about all the things that I just said and why we deserve reparations. It's not a matter of us asking for it. It's what they owe us. Pay us what you owe us. 
So all that labor that you got for free, yeah, you might not have done it directly, but you were a direct result, a lineage of somebody who did. I think about my my grandparents and my great grandparents. My my great grandfather was just born just out of slavery. So he was directly affected. And if you ever heard, uh, if you ever read the book by Joy DeGruy, Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome, it affects us to this day. Just like post-traumatic PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome, can affect your seed, post-traumatic slave syndrome also affects the descendants of slavery mentally. It's a proven fact. So there are things that could be done for true equity. But this is how the people in power stay in power, you guys. Think about this. Lyndon B. Johnson said in 1965. So when we think about racism, racism is a tool, okay, to keep the people in power, to keep the rich richer and the poor poor. How do you think Donald Trump was able to get all those poor people on his side when what his policies were not talking about anything to help the poor people, but he was able to get these poor people to believe in what he was talking about. Why? Because Lyndon B. Johnson said in 1965, if you can convince the best color, if you could convince the lowest white man that he's better, Google it, that he's better than the best color man, he won't even know you picking his pockets. In fact, he said, hell, have him somebody to look down on. Give him somebody to look down on and he'll give you everything he has. So the people in power think they care about the races and they care about that money. But they are fooling all the people down here to keep us confused. They can keep their money. You can keep fighting and be in confusion. And they've been successful at it. They've been very, very, very successful at it. So... When we talk about reparations, I'm saying it could be used in a way, in different ways. Give us free education. Give us free college. I say um, eliminate our student loan debt. Give us grants. Give us down payment for housing. You know, if you don't want to give us money, give us equity. Um, Give us guaranteed income. Um, I, I lived in Stockton for 20 years. Uh, Michael Tubbs, shout out to Michael Tubbs. He was the mayor. He's kind of like a nephew. And um, he introduced guaranteed income in Stockton, California. And it reduced um, homelessness. It, it, it reduced crime. Um, it helped uh, with their mental health. So give us what you owe us. Cause you do owe us that. And it's not even about you giving us anything. It's not about a handout. It's what you owe. Just like you gave those native Americans, what you owed them. Cause you owed them. And they're very, it's very clear that you owed them. There's no doubt that you owed the native Americans for taking their land and, and committing genocide against them. The same with us. You owe us as well. 400 years of free labor. Not only that, but another 150 years of sheer torture to our race. You owe us. So I scoff at people like the folks on Fox News who will sit there and say, (laughs) black people are committing crimes. Why don't we increase the police presence? Well, it's a known fact that an increase of police presence doesn't reduce crime. 
an increase of jobs reduces crimes. But when you take all the jobs out of a community, then that's what happens. When you take jobs out of communities, when you create uh, uh, food deserts, when you create poverty, when you create urban decay, by design, crime increases. But then you want to victimize somebody and then you want to blame the victim. That's not how that works. So, yes, reparations are very important. So your boy, Dr. Phil, Oprah's homeboy said reparations will be a complete disaster is an absolute lie. But that's also like going with the stereotype that, you know, black people don't deserve to have money or deserve to have wealth, that we're going to squander it. But understand that when in, in, in 1939, 31, 1931, in Greenwood, Tulsa, Oklahoma, in the Greenwood section of Tulsa, Oklahoma, when we had, uh, when we practiced collective economics, the dollar stayed in our community a whole year before it left the community. Yeah. We know how to spend money. We know how to be investors and rather than consumers with all the financial literacy and the information out there. You can't keep the, you, you can't keep it from us. So yeah, some people are going to squander it. Yeah, for sure. But you're going to throw out the baby with the bathwater. So you're not going to give none of us any money, just like you have any, anybody from any race. You have native Americans that are squandering. They getting free education, but we 400 years and, and we put in the worst schools in the country. We put in the worst positions. We're kept in the ghetto. And as soon as we come to the neighborhoods, the, the property values decline. Yeah. No, that's all by design, ladies and gentlemen. So we got to get to work. We have to get to work. And this is the reason why this is so important. This is why 2024 could be a new year for you. This is why we have to work together. And this is the reason why I do. That's why I'm so passionate about I, this is why I'm so passionate. Boyce just texted me. This is why I'm so passionate about helping. I help everybody. I love everybody. So, so don't get it twisted. And I don't want to be like the people like, I have white friends. It's not even like that. And I'm not even talking race or I'm not talking um, as anybody, as if anybody's the, the enemy, because I don't believe anybody's on that side of, of being anybody's enemy. But I'm talking about, you could be, I could, I could love black people. I could be pro-black without being anti anything else. And so I'm talking about being pro us. What do we do? We are the underserved. We're the ones with the community that's all fucked up. We're the ones that have, you know, the 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 highest crime rate, the lowest literacy rate, the lowest education rate, the the highest uh, single parent. How we we have that? We have a need, so that we we need to go to work to fix our need. So one of the things that I do, a couple of things. One thing is I help black women. And I don't know if you know, I don't know if this is your first time watching me, but um, I help black women. I have something that's called the Net 7 Collective. And my next cohort is starting in February. And that's where I'm helping 100 women. I'm halfway through. My goal is to help 100 women increase their net worth by a million dollars. Why am I qualified? Because I've been able to do that myself. Own built the largest black owned real estate firm in California. I own real estate. I own commercial. I own, I'm an owner of a marijuana dispensary. I have best selling books. I'm teaching black women specifically how to do all of those things. I'm coaching you specifically on how to build your net worth. Okay. So that's one thing I'm doing. So if you're black and you're a woman, book a call with me so that we can see if you're a good fit for the Net Seven Collective.
Okay. So that's one thing I'm doing for everybody else. For those who can't, who aren't a good fit for the net seven collective, I have what's called the grow your money club. And this club is to help. Every, I'm trying to help the masses. Now I, I do trainings. I have trainings in there. I have real estate trainings. I have all kinds of things where I'm helping people to really build um, in different ways with the credit, uh, with your budgeting, with your wealth, with your business. I'm sure I'm doing, I'm dropping a training in this month about how to uh, publish, how to self-publish your own book. Um, I'm doing trainings on how to create your own podcast. I'm doing trainings on how to uh, generate passive income. This is from for everybody from all walks of life. And these are thousands and thousands of dollars in training that I have on my site that I that people pay thousands of dollars for. And if you paid thousands of dollars for them, sorry. But now it's available for everybody for only $47 a month if you want to be a part of this membership. So if you want to do that, go to growyourmoney.com. Uh, club. So for grow for the Grow Your Money Club, go to growyourmoney.club. Join the Grow Your Money Club. It's only $47 a month. And if you want to be part of the VIP, it's $97. And actually for the VIP members, we're doing our first Q&A session next Wednesday. So uh, for the VIP folks, you guys will be getting an email tomorrow morning letting you know um, about the Q&A session that we're going to be doing. It's, just think of it as a pick your brain. It's pick a pick Constance's brain session and think of it as, um, you know, a mini coaching session, which my coaching, coaching sessions are about $1,000. If you want to do one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, it's $1,000. Um, minimum. And that's for 30 minutes. So, um, and people pay me for that. So think about that. So think of that $97 and we're going to do a VIP session. Um, so if you wanted to do the uh, net seven collective, if you are a black woman or, you know, a black woman, go to bookwithconstance.com, and I'm happy to uh, interview you and see if you would be a good fit for the net seven collective. Now this community is a beautiful community of beautiful dynamic black women from all over the country who share, who grow together, who um, inspire, who give. I mean, these ladies are killing it. I'm, I'm sitting on the front row seeing their successes and it's absolutely amazing. Go to my website, uh, constancecarter.com and look at the net seven collective. Look at the testimonials. They speak for themselves. I don't even have to tout it. But um, this is my contribution of closing the wealth gap. The reason why I'm doing that is because I don't know if you see my TED talk, Google that shit. But um, my passion is is really closing the wealth gap. And uh, that's all. That's always been me. Ever since I was in high school, when I was a president of the BSU, I wanted to close away the, the grade gap because the median grade for black students in my district was a D. And I was like, we're going to close the grade gap. So now I just want to help uh, our people close the wealth gap. And so, you know, I know real estate. I'm an expert in real estate. Sold thousands of homes. I'm a certified credit expert. I have a best-selling book on credit. I just want to help you. That's it and that's all. And that's my give back. This is my passion project to help people. So I've done all the big stuff now. I really want to just help um, everyday people just like you to be able to get in position to really grow and build. And wealth is not just about money. It's about a mindset. It's about everything that's all inclusive. And so that's what it's about. And that's, that's, that's where I'm at, you know? And so if I die today, I would die happy because I'm walking in my purpose. And so I want, just want to help other people to be able to do the same thing and walk in their purpose and create lives, you know, on your own terms. I'm, if you've watched me before, I mentioned a couple, like last month, a girlfriend of mine, Brashawn Shaw, shout out Brashawn. New York housewives. 
She was like, yo, Constance, you want to go to Turks and Caicos next week? I was like, bet. I want you to be able to get up and go to Turks and Caicos next week if you want to do that. And I missed my flight, my first class flight. And I had to buy another flight, which is more expensive the next day. But I want you to be able to, I got that flight credit, but I want you to be able to, oh, I got a flight credit. I'll use that. So anyway, I want you to be able to do that too. All right. So thank you for listening to me rant. But, you know, if I'm ranting, I'm telling y'all, that's my passion. I just want to help us. Okay. So thank you for listening. I appreciate you. Because you know what? I love you for real in real life.